Thanks to Kegstar, this is a special live edition of Radio Brews News. During the recent Sydney Beer Week, the Independent Brewers Association hosted a discussion panel looking at labelling guidelines to assist brewers with negotiating the mandatory requirements for labelling and also what they need to be aware of regarding the ABAC code and retailer requirements. In addition to the Independent Brewers Association Chief Executive Officer Alexis Reutemann, the session featured a great panel of Radio Brews News regulars, including Damon O'Mortar, Group Quality and Sustainability Manager at Endeavour Drinks Group, Zoe Ottaway from Totem Marketing, and Steve Henderson from Rockstar Brewer. It was a valuable session for anyone involved in the brewing industry, and we were proud to have been asked to share it. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome here to Uncle Hops at the Bank Hotel in wonderful Newtown for Sydney Beer Week. Uh, my name is Pete Mitchum from uh, Australian Brews News, and it is my pleasure to introduce our next panel. Uh, it's a panel that I think uh, the discussion of which is going to be particularly interesting, um, both from an interest point of view, I, I guess, for uh, consumers, but particularly for those in the industry. I think it's uh, going to highlight some some pressing issues, and for the um, you know the 500 odd brewers already making beer, there uh, are going to be, I guess, some. Um, uh, tall tales and true and, and things that might help them uh, as they develop their business but uh, just as importantly for the 150 odd uh, brewers in planning uh, there's going to be I, I guess some stuff that they, they're not going to have to learn the hard way so it's going to be a free and frank and open discussion um, as much as possible and time permitting we will if there are questions from the floor let us know just just pop your hand up and then we'll we'll um, We'll get to, uh, but without any further extra added or additional ado, please welcome the CEO of the Independent Brewers Association, Alexis Reutemann. <laughs> From Endeavour Drinks, Dermot O'Morda. From amongst so many other things, Radio Brews News, you may have heard her as co-host, but also from Totem Marketing, Zoe Ottaway. And it's fitting that we introduce him last. It's the rock star brewer. It's Steve Hendo Henderson. So, guys, I'm going to hand over to you now, um, and I'll just let you, like, you know, give you some wind-ups and that sort of thing, just so you don't have to, to look at your watches. Um, but uh, Alexis, perhaps would you like to to start us off um, with, you know, we're talking about labelling, we're talking about packaging. Where does the IBA sit in terms of, you know? Your duty of care, I guess. Yeah, what's our story with it? I just wanted to start off by saying, um, having a little bit of a poll, like I don't know how many brewers are actually in the room, but um, what's the requirement on your, on your labelling to have best before or to have packed on? Who thinks packed on? Okay. Yeah, packed on, you say? And who's saying you've got to have best before on it? Who, who doesn't know? Okay. What about both? Yeah, really good question. What about the um, question of country of origin? Have you got a point that your beer is brewed in Australia? Yes. Yeah? Okay. So, look, t today it'd be really good, once we sort of, you know, say our piece, to hear your views on, on labelling and marketing because um, there's a lot of opinions out there and they're all incredibly valid, 
But uh, there are also some compliance issues, and I know uh, Diamond has a lot to say on that and how it impacts on whether whether your beer gets stocked in uh, in his stores. So. Um, from the IBA's perspective, our, our mission is quality independent beer everywhere. And so in my dealings, you know, over the last six months since I joined the IBA, I've been speaking to, to a lot of people uh, and including Diamond. And, and so from what I understand, there's a lot of, uh, of labelling non-compliance out there. And um, that really puts, you know, sets up a risk that independent beer doesn't get stocked uh, at uh, bottle shops around Australia. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a pretty logical uh, step to, to understand that you, you can't sell beer that doesn't get stocked in, in bottle shops. It's, it's quite difficult, especially when you're talking about packaged beer, of course. Um, the other thing that the IBA, you know, we represent uh, professional independent brewers. And I think there's a legitimate expectation that uh, anybody that does anything professionally is going to do it uh, to, a particular, to a particular standard. And so, you know, labelling, you know, performs a lot of functions and um, indie beer is really great. I mean, the, the labels are fantastic. There's a lot of uh, love that goes into them, a lot of art that goes into them. But there's a lot of information in them as well that, that consumers rely on. You know, I, I always wish there were more, there was more stuff about IBUs and things like that. Uh, and finally, just before I pass over to, to, to the others, um, we know that labelling makes a difference to purchasing decisions. And uh, you would have seen the beer cartel survey results uh, about a month or so ago. And uh, the respondents there, the ones that were aware of, of the uh, IBA independence seal, 85% of them said, yes, it had influenced my decision as to whether to buy that beer or not. If I saw that seal on, on the bottle or the can, uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to buy that beer. So I think labelling really matters, and, and that's why we're here today. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Alexis. Um, I think uh, as a retailer, obviously, uh, we're kind of at the end point of the supply chain to where the customer picks the product and makes the decision on what they're buying. Um, that puts a lot of, uh, I suppose, responsibility on our end to ensure that what we sell the customer complies with the regulations and laws that have been set down. Um, so a lot of people think then when we speak to them about what's needed, it's more our requirements, but it's actually the requirements that have been as, with either within the Food Standards Code or through ABAC that have been set that we just need to comply to. Um, we've got quite a large market share, so therefore we've got uh, quite a, a wide breadth in, in the market that uh, if we do get it wrong, uh, it does get picked up and being the size we are, it tends to uh, come up. So if anybody, I think, in discussion with our beer teams has this feeling that we're pushing something onto them, it's not really our by our design. But when we look at the reason for some of these requirements, they are really designed towards what's best for customer. So if we come back to uh, the best before dates, so packed on versus best before, just to take as an example, um, as a consumer, I'd like to know when I should not drink your beer by. So uh, thank you for telling me when it was packed on because that's really good. But the percentage of people that understand, I suppose, the change that a beer goes through during its life in a package may not be that, yeah. 
we think about it, you, you go, it's a cutoff date, then it's no longer good at that, after that point. But there's actually this transgression downwards in you know, all those lovely flavors we love, particularly like say an IPA, that by the time it reaches, say if we give it a shelf life of nine months, by the time it reaches eight months, it's, it's not looking as good as f- and fresh as it was at a month old. So um, I think you know, as a gold standard, I'd say I'd love to see packed on and best before. Best before is the legal requirement. Packed on is that kind of, um, it's, you know, that is the icing on the cake that really tells the consumer your, when, how long you want them to have it by. So if you can walk into a store and find a beer that's been on the shelf, or, you know, a packed on date of a week, two weeks ago, uh, that's, you know, that's almost as close to uh, visiting the brewery yourself. And it's a great experience if you're able to do it. And if if a brewery's telling you that, then fantastic. Then telling them when not to, you know, after a certain period, then maybe just don't consume the beer because it's not how I intended you to enjoy it. Um, If we look at then some of this stuff around ABAC, uh, we're in a community of, uh, I suppose, an industry, and we're part of a community. So it really is important that we're uh, considering, I suppose, the guidelines provided by ABAC. We then have our own guidelines that are aligned to that. Um, and we've seen certain, you know, you know, certain members of our industry, uh, I suppose, not by not following the guidelines, what then, I suppose, can be the, the aftermath to that. And it's not even the same that the ABACs picked them up, but just, the, I suppose, general community reaction to some of those incidences. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, as a marketer, I'm on the same same page. Um, you know, when you start becoming, when you, you when you become a commercial brewery and you st- take it that one step from home brewing and start making it a business proposition, it stops being about you as a brewer and about your customers. Um, you know, we're all here because of our customers, um, and so it's up to us to have that industry integrity that's always giving them the best um, beer possible because therefore then that looks after us. If we look after them, they're going to look after us. So by making sure we're having our packaging that gives them all the information that they need and putting forward the best practices possible, that makes Australian craft strong as a whole. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a brewer. So um, there, at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, uh, brewers who have to go and put... Um, the, the liquid into uh, a package and, and uh, get it out to our consumers and make sure that it's in the uh, best possible condition uh, that it can be. And I think Deem had raised a very good point uh, about best before dates uh, versus um, packed on dates. And, and, and I'm a big believer in doing both. Uh, the best before date um, says to those consumers who may not be beer savvy, um, this is when this is when the brewer believes uh, this this beer will be uh, good until, and for those who are beer savvy, uh, the packed on date says how old the beer is, and then that particular consumer can make a choice as to how fresh a beer they want to drink. Um, and I've actually am starting to see it more often now in in a lot of um, packaged product, particularly in uh, the majors. Uh, where you're actually starting to see both packed on and best before, because as a as a beer consumer, um, my personal preference is I want to drink, particularly with hoppy beers, uh, I want to drink as fresh a product as I possibly can, um, but I shouldn't have to read into um, 
how long, what's what's the norm, what's the standard best before date for brewery X or brewery Y? Um, I should just have that information uh, in front of me, and um, uh, that's really important. As far as what goes on the label uh, as well, um, we're going to run through a, a beer that I have done, and and the uh, we're going to run that past you guys and the labelling requirements, and we'll have a bit of a laugh and mostly at me and um uh and we'll we'll sort of run through that i do want to say i, I think the um the iba has done a great job uh in the last i think it was two weeks i think yeah. it's been out uh, so alexa's done a great job putting uh together the uh packaging guide labeling guidelines and this has been a long time coming and i think it's amazing because uh, a few years ago when i was running a brewing company I didn't really know, and there was no readily, you know, readily available source of of information of what do I need to put on uh, a beer label. What's GS one? Does anyone know what GS one is? Okay, <laughs> okay then. So, <laughs> so you know things like uh, you know country of origin uh, GS one, which is the uh, barcode that you need to put on. Uh, your uh, label and GS1 not only says where the number actually comes from you can't just pull a number out of your head and go you know this is this is the this is the barcode for this particular beer um, because you can't clash with other products that are out there but also how big it is so because you know when you're in a supermarket and you want things to just scan through and that convenience around imagine you being in a supermarket or a bottle shop and the, the dude at the, behind the counter is just trying to scan and he can't because the brewer has decided this is how big the barcode should be. Um, so the, and, and there's more things to it than that, but it's a, it's a, it's a great thing that we've now got access to. Um, just out of interest, Hendo, um, because when you first started, you were working for an already well-established uh, brewery or two. So presumably you didn't have any input or it wasn't a requirement for you to know what needed to be on the labels. Let's assume that they did. When you started out, on your own, did you know, or you know, did you know what you didn't know, and how did you go about finding out? I didn't know about a lot of things. The the things that I I knew that I needed to have a barcode. It took a lot of research to actually go and f- find what GS one was. Um, I didn't know how to calculate uh, what a standard drink was, um, which you need to have on your uh, label. So if you have a a, a a beer that's um, a certain alcohol by volume, um, there's a very simple formula on how to calculate the number of standard drinks in that particular package size. Um, I didn't know that, so I had to figure that out. So there's a lot of research that need to be done. Um, but were you able to then go to a single source to, to find out all those things? Or no, did not you have to go time. somewhere for barcode, no. somewhere for this, somewhere for that? No, not at the time. And uh, I definitely didn't know about uh, ABAC, which is the um, Alcoholic Beverage Advertising Code. Uh, and so, you know, I used to run this little brewing company called Brewcult and used to do some pretty crazy labels. Had no idea what the standards were, even though it was published, um, you know, and, and readily available online and that sort of thing. I never really thought to research what I was doing and whether I was actually doing the right thing by, by community standards. And, um, you know, the, 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 the years of experience and, 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 and the wisdom that I now have, um, <laughs> you know, um, it, it took a long time to get that. And now the, the great thing is we now have that available for those who are starting out. And I think it's a very um, powerful bit of information we've got access to now. So is this maybe a good time to get a, a, an example 
damn it. Oh, so yeah, there we go. I'll go back one. So, so basically, when you go to um, when you when you when you create a beer label, um, one of the there's many uh, standards that you have to ad- adhere to. You know, Food Standards Australia. Uh, the the main one about the content of your uh, product is uh, ABAC, which stands for the uh, uh, oh, it's Australian Beverages Advertising Code. Sorry, I thought it was the Alcoholic Beverages Advertising Code. And so ABAC is a well, they call it a quasi-regulatory scheme. And so what that means is um, it's self-regulation within the industry. And so how it works is, first of all, they're not an investigative organisation. They won't go and chase you if you're doing something wrong, but rather they respond to complaints. So it's actually tied to the uh, Advertising Standards Bureau, or Ad Standards, I think it's called now. And so if any of us... We actually have a really accessible... Um, access to a complaints mechanism in Australia. It's probably one of the most accessible in the world where if you have a complaint about advertising, any advertising, it doesn't have to be alcohol, you go to the Advertising Standards Bureau website and you actually can lodge, lodge a complaint about something that's been advertised that you might find offensive. So, a little, And so when you go to that website at Standards, you tick a box uh, in, in that it says, is this related to alcoholic, uh, alcohol? And if you tick that box... Um, the complaint goes to ABAC. And so ABAC performs a number of different functions. So they write the Code of Conduct, and the Code of Conduct is a very uh, well-written, well-researched, common-sense set of uh, kind of like rules around what you can and can't do with alcohol advertising. Um, They conduct a lot of research around community standards, um, and they also provide uh, a pre-vetting service. So if you're a startup uh, brewery uh, and you are looking to create a beer label, uh, you can actually go to Wayback and you can actually pay them um, to say, um, you know, does this comply to the code and actually have it pre-vetted. Uh, and so I've actually had one beer pre-vetted, which we'll run through in a second. And um, uh, the other thing that a- the main thing that ABAC does, though, is they respond to complaints. So usually they respond. Usually, thirty days is their uh, response time. And so if a complaint is received by the member of the public, they will take that advertising content. So it might be a beer label. It might be an Instagram post. It might be uh, some other social media. Um, it might be a poster, uh, it might be a TV ad or a billboard, uh, because ABAC is actually funded by the signatories to the ABAC code, and the signatories, they fund ABAC, they, they support the quasi-regulatory system, um, and they have, as a signatory to the code, they have made a commitment that if a complaint is made against some of their product, and that complaint is upheld by ABAC, which means that it's a successful complaint and it does break the code, then they're required to, within five days, remove that product or that marketing from the public view. And so the signatories to the code are the major supermarkets, so Coles and Woolies. Um, It is the major media, so newspapers, uh, television, radio, billboards, uh, and that sort of thing. And also... The, there are the, the, the some of the um, liquor industry um, associations, like the Brewers Association, or, which is not 
the Independent Brewers Association, um, the IBA is not a signatory to the code, um, but there's the wine, there's this Distilled Spirits Council and the Winemakers Federation, I think it is as well. And so, um, and so these guys are the, basically the signatories to the code. And so they have a responsibility and are bound as signatories to the code to adhere to it. And if a complaint is upheld against it, that they remove that product from the market. As independent brewers, we are not signatories to the ABAC code. And so because it is a quasi-regulatory system, it's not a government agency, it's a private agency. And so um, if, as an independent brewer, you were to have a complaint made against some of your uh, marketing or a label and that sort of thing, and that complaint was upheld, you're not obligated to remove it from the market. But if you're selling the product... uh, in the majors, then they're required to remove it from the market. If you have a billboard that uh, that has that has a, had a complaint about it that up 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 that that is upheld, then the billboard company is required to remove that advertising uh, and that sort of thing. So we have a duty of care as um, you know as as um, producers of alcohol and a responsibility to the community around uh, what we create for, um, you know, the standards that we uphold um, to ourselves, but ABAC is really that check and check and balance for us. So I just want to run through one and the label here. Let's go to the next slide there. And so this is a beer that I did with Brucol. This is, uh, shit, what year is it? 2000 and I swore on the podcast. Oh, my God. Um, so <laughs> uh, this is a 2016 Gabs beer that I did called Gingerbread Maniac. Um, and so um, this is the only label that I've ever had run through uh, the ABAC pre-vetting service. Um, and the reason that we did that is because uh, it was going to be part of the Gabs Mix 6-pack and was going to be sold in Dan Murphy's. And the people at Woolies, when they first saw that, went, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God, no. And so for those listening on the pod- podcast, uh, it's basically a picture of a gingerbread man holding a gingerbread chainsaw busting through a pane of glass. And um, they went, no. And then there was a lot of backwards and back and forth and that sort of thing. And then they basically said, look, if it passes ABAC pre-vetting, we'll sell it. And so we submitted it. And so I'm going to share with you now, none of these guys have heard this, but it's bloody hilarious, was what happened with the uh, ABAC pre-vetting. Thank you. Before I read it, uh, why don't you guys tell me, if, uh, I mean, the ABAC code covers a lot of common sense things with regards to labels. Why don't you tell me what you think would be wrong with this label um, in terms of the, um, the ABAC code? Sorry? Jimmy, yep. Yep, that's one. So in what way, though? Yep, okay. So there is a minor on the label. Yep, what else? Be the maniac text. In what way do you think that might be contrary to the codes? Encouraging, yep, yep. That's a, that's a, that's probably, that's a definite Violence one. Violence is right. Yep, <laughs> Violence is right. It's a, it is a gingerbread chainsaw, and that is a pane of glass. He is busting through there. Uh Yes, yes, his, his eyes are very trippy. So one of the um, parts of the code that you can't have is you can't promote intoxication, nor can you have um, na- uh, reference to narcotics uh, and that sort of thing. Absolutely, yep, 
That's right. So the, the major one is appealing to miners. Yep. I know his tongue might get caught in the chainsaw. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we submitted this into uh, to the ABAC pre-vetting service and that sort of thing. And so I'm just going to read to you verbatim what uh, what ABAC had said. I'll cut out the boring bit. Anyway, so um, I've considered your request to review the gingerbread maniac, gingerbread maniac label against the requirement of the ABAC code. Unfortunately, I have to reject the graphics. Uh, and then it goes on and so what they've done is they've actually quoted the section of the code and the main thing that they had was responsibility towards miners uh, states that marketing communication must not have strong or evident appeal to miners and must depict an adult who is under the age of 25 years and appears to be an adult. Um, so you can't have something that appeals to miners, specifically targeted miners, uh, has a particularly particular attractiveness for a miner beyond the general attractiveness that it has for an adult, can't use imagery, designs, motifs, animations or cartoon designs that have likely appealed to miners and create confusion with confectionery or soft drinks. Um, using brand identification, including logos on clothing, toys, and other merchandise for use primarily by miners. And that's kind of different. So if you're going to have like a, a Barbie house with old Jimmy on it, then that's a different story. So anyway, uh, the comments were, the, there's two issues. Firstly, the gingerbread man is a fairy tale, fairy tale told to children with strong, strong appeal to miners. Whilst as adults, we are aware of this fairy tale and it is by our recalling our childhood experiences. There's no issue from an ABAC perspective leveraging the biscuit, malt and honey characteristics of the beer and therefore the brand name Gingerbread Maniac is acceptable under the code. However, you can't refer to Gingerbread Man in imagery or copy. Okay, so the name was okay, but you can't have a picture of a Gingerbread Man. Uh, the second issue is your logo, uh, which they're referring to uh, Jimmy, um, with his squiggly eyes and that sort of thing. So the, this is where it gets funny, guys. So I apologise for going way off tangent. Um, when assessing an ABAC submission, we ask ourselves what would be the reasonable, what would a reasonable person, remember the quote, a reasonable person, conclude from viewing the marketing communication? In this instance, I believe they would see your Jimmy character as a teenager, giving that Jimmy Neutron brackets the Disney character and Jimmy Olsen, brackets, the Superman character, are teenagers. I don't even know where they got Jim, you know, Jimmy <laughs> Neutron or Jimmy Olsen from, but anyway. But it gets better. And further, the lyrics to the Pat Benatar song, Jimmy Says, is all about school. <laughs> I don't know a person under the age of 25 years who would actually know who Pat Benatar is. <laughs> I <laughs> there's the millennial. Um, so uh, I, I know Pat Benatar. I'm an old bastard, right? So my sisters used to love Pat Benatar. So Pat Benatar, the singer, Noah songs like All Fired Up and Love Is a Battlefield and that sort of thing, right? I don't know where the hell he got. He drew that conclusion. So I did a bit of googling, and so I did. I googled Jimmy says in quotes, and the first thing to pop up was the lyrics to an old... I'd never heard of the song Jimmy Says, right? And, I'd heard, and so basically I googled it and what came up was the lyrics to a 1988 B-side that was only released once and maybe 300 records were pressed and the, and the song was called Jimmy Says and it was about school bullying. But of course, 
this is very subjective and that sort of thing. Anyway, so <laughs> Pat Benatar, go figure. Um, to make the cartoon comply with the code, it would need to be reworked so that he presents as an adult, i.e. someone over the age of 25 years. Um, and so they basically went on there to basically say, uh, you need to rework this and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, so somehow you get from Gingerbread Maniac to Pat Benatar. Um, but um, I think Demon's probably got something to add there about how uh, ABAC do a lot of research and how their interpretation of the code is subjective and should be. So, yeah, with ABAC, I think the key thing to recognise is uh, community standards. And uh, as an organisation, that's what they base their decisions on. Um, now, I think to Endo's point, uh, there can be some... Uh, oh, some some differing views on what those standards are but uh, as a whole I think it's very important from a, as an alcohol industry that we are seen as a, a responsible uh, member of community and uh, doing what's right by the community and ABAC is that organisation that really is there to uh, help us as a, an industry achieve that. Um, yeah, and then as a you know as a signatory, I think make it clear as well. Like we are a signatory for a reason, and therefore, uh, when decisions are made that um, the pre the pre vetting hasn't worked, uh, we need to uh, make the decision then our side not to arrange it. Now, with that said, I think to recognise that there are incidences where, even though you may get the pre vetting uh, nod of approval that doesn't necessarily mean you're home free. You could then enter the market with a ABAC-approved label, and a member of the public would uh, maybe uh, find issue with it and then raise it to ABAC through the, uh, the process. If at that point then it's found under the circumstances of what's been provided to ABAC, you may still have to be uh, basically pulling the product. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to stress that wasn't a dig at ABAC. I just thought it was just a little bit funny and by use of the that label and putting something quite extreme in front of them, which I'm sure they don't see very often. Um, I guess the point I want to make with regards to ABAC and that sort of thing, it's very easy to become cynical towards ABAC and go, oh, they're party poopers and wowsers and that sort of thing. Um, and that's not their job. You know, their job is to conduct a lot of research um, to... Uh, take into account they're, they're really the custodians of community standards around alcohol advertising and I would rather have a system that we have in Australia like ABAC where we have this quasi-regulatory system because the alternative is we have full government regulation and full government regulation if you want to know what that looks like have a look at our American brewing compatriots uh, where if you want to release a beer uh, in a package, you actually have to get your label approved. They call it label approval. There's one person in the US who does that label approval and it can take up to six months. So imagine that our, as, a, as, a, as smaller producers, we can be nimble and that would be robbed of us if we were in a situation where we had full government regulation around um, alcohol advertising. So it's not a perfect system that we've got, it's a little bit of a funny system, literally, but um, uh, but it's the system we've got, and you as brewers need to learn how to work with it. Is there a slide there of what the label ended up being? 
that was the that was the label I released it with. I just decided not to participate in the um, Gabs Mix six pack and and sell it in 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 Dan Murphy's. That's that's the system though. Is that it's because Brookholt was not a signatory to the code, and so I didn't have to comply with what they said. So that's the that's the label that it got. It didn't didn't go into the pack. It was it was pretty. The reason was it was pretty late in the in in the day, and I didn't have time to rework it. Um, and so it was easier to uh, have another brewer step in uh, and that sort of thing. And, but, you know, that, that, that said, though, um, it was a learning pro- process for everybody at the time, um, you know, dealing with uh, Dan Murphy's, myself, um, you know, the uh, Gabs organisers and that sort of thing. We all learnt a lot out of that. So it was a positive experience. And, and uh, just on that, I think it, it brings into sharp light uh, a couple of important things and and so i'd like you to talk to this one and that is that um despite the fact that it's sort of i guess you know self-regulatory and all that sort of thing at the end of the day um like you say the customer is is number one but protecting your brand and also projecting your brand in in, in a marketing sense becomes really really important and we had a a, a recent well-publicized um issue with a particular beer that okay but it's only going to be sold at the bar but the reality is that anyone could take photos and, and, and go to social media. So it's, it's effectively, it's the modern version of a billboard, you know. Um, so when you're dealing with, with breweries, how, like, how do you sort of work through, okay, there's the, and, you know, uh, the IBA has now got a lovely little, you know, ready reckoner to, okay, tick a box, all that stuff that you had to do, had to muddle your way through on your own is now so much easier. So that bit is now covered in terms of all the regulatory requirements. How then is it really important for the brewer and how do you go through the steps of saying, okay, let's look at what what are you projecting? What is what is your brand? Because it costs a lot to create it. It costs a lot to, to then have to change it if you have to, you know... Yeah, um, it costs even more to do a recall. Pull product from it, yeah, yeah, in a recall. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you had to yeah fund a recall, that is incredibly expensive. If you had to re- like change the cans after they've already gone into production, like that could make or break a startup. Um, so it certainly is very important just from the sheer financial side of it. Um, in terms of um, brand reputation, um, I am a big believer in like the old saying of any PR is good PR is incredibly outdated. That is pre-social media thinking. Um, you know, that with social media, the people are, for that example, there's people in countries overseas commenting on, like, when, when things go viral, they go worldwide. This isn't just you can't un- you can't talk unring anymore. That bell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's your first impression of someone or, or a brand. Um, you can't change that. You'll forever be those guys. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, it's about knowing yeah, who your customer is, how would they react to it, but also where's society norms? Um, yeah, and it is a grey line. There are things like this where you'd be like, well, that's just a bit of fun, or it doesn't have to be as extreme as the example that you're referring to. Um, it can be yeah, it can be a social media post. It can be um, much more simpler things where I guess the one thing I would love for everyone just to leave this is that it can happen to anyone. It doesn't have to be that... I'm sure there's a lot of people in the room that might think, well, my brewery would never do 
a sexist post or put a child on a poster because that's the one extreme. There could be just a word that you've used wrongly and it therefore implies implied to intoxication or it will, um, you know, you'll, you'll be happier if you drink this beer and you might not, it might allude to that and that will get you in trouble. Um, it can happen just really simply. Um, and yeah, just to reiterate what everyone else has said, the, the fact that the IBA have put this checklist and um, basically like Guidelines. a brand Bible together for everyone, um, there's an incredible amount of work that's gone into that. Um, the big players have people dedicated to doing this for them um, and to have this freely available is incredibly generous of the um, IBA. Um, I can't encourage people enough to make use of it so that when you're putting together a new um, product, this is just part of your checklist of releasing it. Like the beer's made, packaging meets requirements, we're good to go. It's just the standard that you set within your building. Can I, yeah, can I jump in there? I mean, what we're trying to do is encourage brewers to very much think of that their job's not done when the beer's in the keg or in the bottle. Okay, so that uh, it's very much part of their role to think about their labelling. And, and in a way, there's two, there's two aspects to it. There's the compliance aspects, you know, and, and they're seen as quite dull and, gee, do we really have to do that? I don't want to know about it. And we've catered for those here to make it as easy as possible for brewers to comply. And then there's the, the fantastic work that people like Zoe do, which is looking at the, the, the differentiation that you can create with your labels. Um, I'm seeing, you know, uh, some of the Victorians and, and even people up here, I, I love Sailor's Grave uh, Brewing, and I noticed the other day that on their NEPA they've got a, a big um, geographical stamp, uh, East Gippsland. So what we're starting to see is the opportunities to, to uh, create a real regional profile for different beers and to, to say, hey, this is where we're from. So in other words, there's a, there's a compliance aspect and then there's a whole opportunity aspect to put the independence seal on it, for example. And, and you know, I won't lie, uh, the, 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 the genesis of this project was, look, if I'm going to ask uh, my members to change their labelling and put the independence seal on, then I want to make that as easy as possible for them to do. And when I spoke with Diamond, he said, you know, there's a lot of non-compliance out there. Uh, and so we can kill a number of birds with, with one stone. So uh, I think there's incredible opportunities with labelling. And I think that, you know, um, there are strong opinions uh, about labelling uh, among brewers. And that surprises me a little because compliance is, is, is that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I feel that uh, if you can just, just get on with it, it may not be such a problem. Alexa, speaking of opportunities, does the IBA, as, as the, the representative body of, of, you know, independent brewers who, who have signed up, um, is there an opportunity there or do you feel, a, I guess, not a responsibility, but to kind of, I guess, monitor and perhaps pick up the phone or, or flick an email, soil, you know, like monitoring labels and, and perhaps um, speaking on behalf of? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so we have like three and a half staff. <laughs> yeah. And it's a big country out there with uh, more than 500 brewers. Um, so, so there's that. Um, I will say this, the reputational issue is significant. So uh, when we see uh, breaches that are well publicised, uh, they impact not just the relevant brewery, but they impact, um, they impact the whole sector. And my job is uh, to, to talk to the media, et cetera, and um, you, know, you don't want to be talking about this sort of stuff. You really don't. So, you know, once again, I'd encourage brewers to think not just about their own labelling and their own uh, creativity in, in their marketing, 
but to think about what potential impact it might have on the whole sector. So there's an idea of professional responsibility. And look, all sectors have that. Um, did, that did that answer the yeah, question? Yeah, and particularly yeah. given that you know we're pushing the the independent seal, that then kind of puts everyone in, a, in an identifiable club. So if, if one trips up, it kind of reflects, it can, it can reflect on... Yeah, to your point about checking, all. I don't think it's feasible for us to be checking labelling. I think what we're doing with uh, things like this is we're making it very easy for people to check their own labelling, for one. And I think it's very easy for people to sit down with their designers and their, and their marketers like Zoe and say, look, this is, this is the, the ground... This is the ground that this we're working on. This is what I want to do. On. How do I do this it? Is, this, is the, this is what we're, we're talking about. And it's very easy for Diamond to talk with brewers that he wants to stock and say, look, this is the requirement, mate. You know, um, can, you, can, can, you, can you get this up to speed? Because we'd love to stock your beer. I, think, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, sir. <laughs> sir? Sir Diamond? Thank you, m'lady. <laughs> so we've, we do have a team uh, within BWS and Dan's that will assist and give guidance to any brewery that would like to range with us on, uh, I suppose, calling out what we'd be concerned. We do have a, uh, a guide for uh, anybody that would like to uh, range with us, both through our uh, website, EDG Partners, and in conjunction with the IBA uh, labeling guide, I think it's uh, it's pretty much covered. So you'd have the ABAC requirements and then the Fazan's requirements within that. But but just to clarify, David, yeah. if um, Uncle Dan's, for example, uh, yeah, you've ticked all the boxes in terms of what you are legally required to do. Sure. But we're not quite sure that that image or you know what 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 you're projecting fits with. Uh, we we have guidelines for that too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not just a matter of yes, you've ticked the legal boxes. No, I'm, no. I'm oh, required God. to stop no, no. you. No, no. We we have uh, our ten our ten commandments, pillars. our ten pillars. But uh, yeah, the the requirements are set out that exactly aligned to what ABAC uh, look for. But, but rather than just dismiss, no, we're not going to arrange you. Would would somebody oh, no. speak no, to no, the no, brewer no. and say uh, this is, this is a, why we are we're we're fully open to have like a consultative uh, approach with any brewer, particularly the brewers that we've got the partnerships with already. Brewers may then present, uh, a, 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 you know, they'll present a beer we, we really like. We think it's a great tasting beer. They'll present the packaging with that because it's obviously too, uh, you know, too facet. We'll look at the packaging. If there's some points of concern in the packaging, like uh, an example, if it may uh, promote excessive drinking, we'll, we'll call it out and we'll just make the recommendation that if you want to... Uh, this is this is what we've noted. If you'd like to uh, be considered for ranging, that would need to be changed. And, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, it, not, not a problem. And it basically means then once anybody goes into our stores, we're, we're not having issues with the stock we sell. Yeah. And I think a good segue as well around, uh, you know, if we look at other industry examples. Uh, so we had, we picked this one up as something we thought that would actually move away from uh, the I suppose the alcohol industry but if we you think back to uh, United Airlines and uh, the situation that they had when so it was a flight I think from Chicago to um, Louisville and uh, one of their sister airlines needed to put some staff on the flight so it was the last flight leaving uh, Chicago and basically they said you you and you uh, we'll need you to uh, leave the flight Uh, we need to put some staff in now, one of the passengers said, no, thank you. I really need to take this flight. I need to get to Louisville for the night. And he was told no. So 
he consi- he basically put his foot down and said, I will stay. I, I really need to take this flight. And then uh, essentially uh, what happened was he was forcibly removed. And uh, yeah, and when I say forcibly, uh, you just got to go on YouTube and have a look at what happened. It really was, uh, yeah, quite a... Yeah, quite a, an active endeavor to uh, get him off the flight, and uh, I think he might have suffered a couple of bruises on the way. Now, we look at that and we go, okay, so that was one airline, one incident, and uh, there's a bit of a, a look in then on, I suppose, what happened to the industry as a whole. So what we're kind of looking at here is the before when the event occurred and then when the response came in from the CEO. So the CEO basically blamed it on the passenger that he was totally at fault, and whatever happened to him, he brought it on himself. Now, the public sentiment to that was, uh, you're kidding me, you guys are bullies, you overreacted, and that's not customer service. And if I'm gonna fly with you, I don't think I will, because uh, I'm uh, not gonna go through a similar experience if you ask me to leave the airline, and for a very valid reason, I can't, and then I'm gonna be uh, manhandled, and uh, physically assaulted to get me off your flight. No, thank you. I won't be flying with you. Now, unfortunately, that was one, you know, that was one airline. But if you look at what happened to the entire industry within the US, they all suffered because of one player. One player did a pretty, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the act itself was not the best. It was a really poorly thought out. But the response was even worse. And as a result, the entire industry got hit. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, back to our industry, you know, as a retailer, you know, we could say we're a retailer and we're, we just have, we don't see ourselves as that. We, we, we see ourselves as a part of an entire supply chain where we get the privilege of working with the, at that end point with the person that decides to make that purchase. It's like, uh, you know, kind of Santa Claus, you know, Santa Claus brings the prezzies and that's what maybe the parents to get to watch the pre- kids with the enjoyment. But you know the elves are there back and you know up in the north doing pole all the grunt doing work. all the yeah. doing all the grunt work, and I tell you you know that's pretty much 364 days a year that they're doing that. There's a lot of preparation that goes into that, so it's that kind of last the last mile they call it. But it, you know we we get the privilege of doing that. But there's a lot of work that we really feel that, and that's why we look at the partners we're we're working with. That it's really important that it's a full. Uh, I suppose engagement piece and really partnership with everybody along it from the producer the producers of the product the grains the hops the breweries the logistics the DCs and the stores it's it's one you know it's one community one industry working together to get that final product to the customer and if one of us you know be it retailer be it brewer you know do the wrong thing it it impacts us all and as an industry it impacts the industry so and that, you know, these guidelines, these kind of recommendations for what we should and shouldn't be doing, they're really not just there for, you know, kind of keeping the... Com- they are there for the community, yes, but really is, it, you know, we want to see the, in- the industry we're in grow and, you know, develop and be sustainable. It, it, that's really what it's, it's gearing itself towards. I think what everyone's really touched on is that it's, a, it's an educative thing rather than a punitive system like Absolutely. the idea there is to yeah. is to guide everyone down the right path light light the path i guess rather than to to just sort of bring out the stick when when somebody does uh yeah like muck up. uh i suppose at least i'm great for analogies so my analogy is <laughs> it's that uh you it's that you know it's the parent that, ca- that cares for you you know and you've got that parent and 
you know, I, you know, personal experience. Uh, this is uh, one for uh, when when I was a kid. Okay, so you got that parent that cares for you, and uh, you decide to go out and skating, and the ice is thin. What's that parent going to do for you? The parent's going to pull you off and stop you from doing it. And though you, it looks like a great idea and it looks like a lot of fun, they know how dangerous and where it may take you, you know? So, uh, uh, On that yeah. fairy tale Thank cautionary you. note, no, beautifully done, Devin. Um, um, I was just going to add to that. We just touched on, like, the risk of being government-regulated instead. Um, there are in, uh, bodies out there that are very active in finding these um, reasons to complain. Um, they're very proactive against reducing alcohol presence in, the, um, in society. Um, and if we can't show that we can self-regulate and look after ourselves, it will become government regulated and it will go down the same path as cigarettes and tobacco. Um, you know, obviously, alcohol does contribute some problems to our society, but there's for the majority of people, it's a very natural part of our everyday a healthy lifestyle. So, this is where it is really important. Um, you know, one of the things I love most about working in craft, but uh, craft beer is the puns, is the is the humour we can bring, is the cleverness. Um, you know, a beer label will come out and it'll have just a cracking pun on it. I'm like, how has that not been thought of before? That is brilliant. We appreciate, or I appreciate that it's a fine line to keep them going and then if you don't meet the ABAC requirements, what a disappointment that is and that, you know, there's a bit of you that's really brought that to the shore and that you want to um, keep that going. And I know it's disappointing to have to start again or stop doing that. Um, unfortunately, they're just the roles that we have to go with um, because yeah, the alternative of being so strictly... Um, regulated by by a government that will automatically go to the worst case scenario and that's what the levels that we we'll all have to work within um you know that's going to be so much more limiting to our industry and it's not that we're deliberately trying to throw um business your way or, or other marketing people but is it I, I think it's a good idea sometimes to you know you get that store blindness so you've like you say, you put your heart and soul, you've, you've thought up a piss-funny pun, you go, how good's this? Sometimes you just need to give it to somebody else outside of your business to read over it, to point out, haven't you noticed that, you know, this or that? Yeah. So is it, is it worth, you know... Yeah, and it doesn't have to be, like, the marketing services. It can be just someone that's not in your circle. Um, so, like, maybe like, taking it to your football mates isn't the right... Because they're just going to be like-minded like you like that's why you hang out like um i don't know take it to your sister or you know someone that you know will be honest with you but isn't necessarily running down the same line as where you go yep. um and if you both are finding that common ground it's probably a good thing if if red flags are getting raised on one end maybe it just needs a little bit more looking into um but yeah i guess the, the the common sense check for all of us skews a bit like we're not all in agreement on that so yeah if you can take it to someone else and get a different opinion um it's pro it's a healthy thing to do yeah and, and i would just add on that point that men and women have different perspectives and vive la différence but um i think uh you know we've seen recently that this sector perhaps needs to to check how it's being perceived by female consumers um i think the the market split is about 2080 i know from our iba social media it's about 30 70 so we're, we're, we're reaching um, particularly younger women and we want to keep on doing that. We want everybody to enjoy our beer and so we don't really want to be alienating 
a particular section of, of the community. The marketers of the 70s, 80s, 90s, like when it comes to beer, they did a bloody terrible job because they made it just for men. Like, and even still, like I have... Oh, Brisbane bitter. I have oh, people coming up to me. Like classic ads. All the time. It's still going, so do you actually drink beer? Like, well, I've got a beer in my hand. Like, I'm just, it's a token it's pint. It's just a show. Yeah. I, it's, it's a and it's beer. crazy. It's just, it's fermented. Like, it's, it's crazy that, like, there's this, it's not for a certain gender. Um, and from, you know, an um, industry point of view, you know, beer is more diverse than wine, but we've also got this reputation where, you know, someone will drink Moscato, they don't go, well, I hate all wine, I'm not going to drink Shiraz or Sat Blanc. They are still open-minded to trying other wines, where in beer we've still got that kind of ripple effect where they'll try a mainstream lager or someone's double IPA and go, oh, that's not my thing, I don't like beer, and they just won't drink anything. Um, so there's so much potential out there for our industry to grow. Um, and yeah, f- female drinkers, you know, they're the that's the untapped market for all of us. And I, yeah, you know, I personally would I love think, to I see think more females. It's the females. fastest females are the fastest growing segment of the craft beer market. I think it is in the US. I'm just pulling that statistic out of somewhere. Yeah, the Bureau's Association in the US, in their surveys, they've shown towns like really craft forward towns like Portland. There's more female beer consumers mm. in Portland than males. Like, and it's, that's quite on par with other leading craft destinations in the US. So and we from, can do it. From a, from a brewer's perspective, it can be really challenging when you're starting out to differentiate yourself with a growing number of breweries and that sort of thing. I think we're at 585 brewers yeah. now. Yeah. Holy moly, that's a lot of uh, brewers. And so when you're starting out, you know, you, you, you want to be different and you want to be noticed and you might be on a wall of, um, you know, beer cans and bottles in a bottle shop or you might be trying to get likes on social media and, and that sort of thing. And you've got to tread very carefully. I think we're smart enough as an industry um, to be innovative and we can be witty and intelligent at the same time and it takes a little bit of thought to do that um, without resorting to, um, you know, being crass and and, um, alienating a large and growing segment of our market who are willing to give us money and grow our businesses. Thanks, Andrew. Does anyone else have anything to add anymore? Um, I think we've got it on a slide slide. coming up, the ABAC code um, information. Um, On the website, you can actually see previous complaints and if they've been upheld. And that's a really good place to go and just get some idea. Um, You can can, see what they've called it out, whether it's um, innuendo or whether it was appealing to minors and what... That's just a really good education piece. Um, Again, the... IBA checklist, get familiar with it. It's an incredibly generous tool that they've made available um, for free. Um, if anyone here is you know, looking up research or something, those kind of organisations usually charge thousands of dollars to get a research paper. And the value in this is incredible. And to just have it freely available, not just to members either, but to everyone is incredible. So, um, yeah, if I can just encourage everyone to just make that a part of your packaging design process is going through that checklist, um, that would be amazing. Join me in thanking our panel for their time, to Alexis, to Dermot, to Zoe and to Hendo. Um, Thank you very much. Big thank you to um, 
all the crew at, at Sydney Beer Week uh, who have put this together and a special thank you to um, Uncle Hops here at the Bank Hotel in Newtown for uh, supporting what we do and making this sort of thing possible. It's great to see so many people um, with varied interests in the, in the beer community uh, and that really reflects well on, on venues like this that are prepared to sort of um, open up a, a, a room to us uh, and allow us to, to play here. So thanks to Tom and all the, all the crew here uh, at the hotel. Thank you very much. So round of applause for them. Did I mention Kegstar? <laughs> no, and the beers you've been enjoying um, on the Kegstar tab, obviously, uh, thanks very much to Kegstar for making all this possible. And to Prime Malt, who also support Radio Brews News. And that was Radio Brews News live from Sydney Beer Week. Don't forget, we have regular shows every Sunday night, just in time for your Monday morning commute, our weekly look at the beer news of the week. And we also, on Tuesday night, share a discussion podcast, Beer is a Conversation, in which we meet some of the most interesting personalities in the Australian and international beer industries. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation and we look forward to another conversation next week.